Welcome into the morning quickie, little late night edition as we are doing this live right here about 1 a.m. Eastern time, obviously. You all know I live in Knoxville, but um, pretty jacked up after that game six. Wanted to go ahead and get this done tonight. That way I could maybe sleep in a little bit. But man, uh, game six was pretty cool. Game six was pretty fun as the Toronto Raptors win win their first NBA championship, take the Larry O'Brien trophy to the six. Oh, man, Golden State got that false hope in game five and then, you know, had a chance again in game six. Even after the Raptors, man, it almost played out the exact same way as the as the Raptors were up six points with about two minutes left and then still found themselves having to duck a wide-open Steph Curry three uh, down one, Curry could have won the game. Toronto had no timeouts. That would have really put them struggling to get the ball at the court to either tie or try to win. Uh, but instead, he misses. Kawhi Leonard comes out with the rebound. It turns into a scrum. Draymond Green calls a timeout with .9 seconds left. The problem was they didn't have a timeout left. So the Golden State Warriors dynasty ends with a Draymond Green technical. Kawhi, went, Kawhi Leonard uh, wins finals MVP. He is now in elite company. Kawhi Leonard uh, now becomes, I believe, one of, I think it's 12 guys, one of 12 players to win multiple finals MVPs, one of three guys to do it with two different teams. He joins LeBron James and Kareem uh, with that one. We've been giving you that stat for a while. This was a stat I hadn't seen. Uh, He is the only player, the only player to do it in both conferences. I would, have assumed, uh, I would have assumed Kareem's was both conferences since it was Milwaukee and Los Angeles, but maybe they didn't have conferences there. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but even, even more so, uh, Kawhi Leonard becomes one of three guys, one of three guys to win finals MVP, two of them by the age of 27. That's a huge stat. Yeah, I think he joins uh, Magic Johnson and... Tim Duncan to do that. That's big. This game, I mean, was close. Fred Van Vliet uh, was a dog. He scored 22 points, including 12 points in the fourth quarter, really when none of the team was ready to go. You know, Kyle Lowry was great in the first half. Uh, Kyle Lowry had five points in the second half. He did hit a big shot to put him up six, but, you know, outside of that, didn't do much. It was Fred Van Vliet who scored 12 Huge fourth quarter points. Hit clutch three after clutch three. Played good defense on Curry. Uh, Steph Curry did not have a good night. I already told you he missed the game-winning shot. He was 6 of 17 from the field. 3 of 11. Only scoring 21 points. Uh, The Raptors didn't have their usual balanced attack. It was pretty wild because, I mean, Danny Green was abysmal. Marc Gasol was trash. Uh, But Serge Ibaka and Van Vliet scored 22 and 15 off the bench, respectively. So you had, you know, five guys on the Raptors who scored at least 15 points. Uh, Gasol had three. Danny Green scored zero. They didn't. Um, Everyone else besides Norman Powell. I guess he got 11 minutes run. He didn't score. But everyone else scored at least 15 points. So, uh, you know, you had two duds. But the thing about the Raptors was and what made them so special is that they got to the finish line with seven guys who you felt like could shoot and play defense. They could afford to have off nights. 
Uh, the Warriors couldn't. And, you know, when Kevin Durant went out, it was obvious they were in trouble. And then tonight in the third quarter, Klay Thompson went out with the injured knee. A really cool moment from Klay Thompson where he's getting carried off the court. And, you know, the word gets to him that, hey, if you don't come back and shoot these free throws, you have to sit out the rest of the game. Because unless you get, you know, a flagrant foul, you have to be able to shoot your free throw. If you leave the court injured and can't shoot them, you are done for the game. So Clay comes running out as we're all on Twitter, uh, you know, playing doctor, saying, oh, it has to be an ACL. Clay comes sprinting back out. Crowd goes crazy. I believe Clay hit both free throws uh, and then acted like he wanted to play defense. But Steve Kerr had DeMarcus Cousins uh, intentionally foul to stop the ball to get Clay out. He ran back to the locker room and was done for the night. He crushed his way out of there. We'll see what happens. Um, my initial reaction, and I had a couple of people tweet me, shout out to them. That means they listen to either this morning quickie or the radio show. But I said, hey, they're not going to let Ste- they're not going they're not going to risk Steph to come back and get injured. Clay Thompson, uh, they were like, nope, sorry, buddy, you're not uh, risking this either. You aren't coming back to play. We are shutting you down. We're, we're protecting you from yourself again, like they didn't do with Durant, but obviously. All that depends on what Curry's injury is. If it, or excuse me, Clay's injury is. If it turns out he had a torn ACL, you're not really going to say that. And if he has a torn ACL, man, the Warriors, uh, this dynasty is coming to a screeching halt because it feels like they owe both Clay and Durant big money. Feels like they want to keep them together. Um, both those guys might be out for a year if it's an ACL. And obviously, we know Durant's story with his Achilles. But man, that was a. Uh, Obviously, a really good run over the last five years for the Warriors. I know some people will say that if Durant doesn't get hurt, they win this series. I guess we'll never know. Toronto had home court. They had a guy, you know, the guy best suited in the league to guard Kevin Durant. But obviously, that would have affected Kawhi on the, you know, the, the offensive end and, you know, allowed Clay and Steph more open looks. But uh, the Raptors were maybe the best team all year. You know, if you really look at it, they only finished two games behind the Bucks, and that was while they rested Kawhi and, you know, did the whole load management thing. They finished with a better record than the Warriors, and then they get to the finals, and they had a bunch of guys who were ready to make plays. They had a bunch of guys ready to make plays. Fred Van Vliet came up huge. Serge Ibaka made big plays. Obviously, Kawhi. Kawhi didn't play as well as, you know, you, if you had told me Kawhi was going 7 of 16 and scoring 22 points, I would have thought that the Raptors lost, but he made a couple big plays in the fourth quarter, had a couple big and ones, and they had just enough to get to the finish line. They dodged a Steph Curry three. Steph Curry is now 0 for 9 in the last 24 seconds of games, I believe, when trying to either tie or take the lead. 0 for 9 in the playoffs on shots to take the lead. Okay, so not to tie. 0 for 9 in the playoffs on shots to take the lead in the last 24 seconds of the fourth quarter and of overtime. Pretty damning for Steph. You know, another year where uh, Steph doesn't win finals MVP. Obviously, this one makes more sense. Now we turn our attention to what happens with this team. Like I said, the Warriors find themselves in weird shape because, hey, they um, they might be keeping people that they, that they, that, that, that can't play next year. And that'll really hamper the way they can build their team. So the Warriors might be taking a year off. We'll see what happens if Kawhi stays in Toronto. 
I think it makes the most sense for Kawhi to do a two-year deal with a player option in the third year that would get him to 10 years of service that helps him make more money. And I just don't think you leave a team after winning a championship. You, you've got to try to defend that championship, in my opinion. And obviously, we all know Kawhi's a weirdo. But it seems like right now the NBA is going to be wide open next year when it comes to champions. Wide open. I don't know who to even pick. I, uh, you know, Golden State or the field definitely give me the field for sure. So we'll see how all that shakes out. We'll see what Kawhi does as we kind of turn our attention to free agency. All right, let's hit a couple other stories. Um, Justin Rose leads after day one of the U.S. Open, ties a U.S. Open record by shooting a 65. His one-shot lead over Ricky Fowler. Uh, pretty cool, as Justin Rose ties the record that was set by Tiger Woods back in 2000. Who was Justin Rose's playing partner today? Tiger Woods. So Tiger Woods had a front-row seat to a record-tying performance. Um Tiger Woods shot a one-under, so he is um, you know, four or five shots off the lead. I believe he's five shots off the lead. I think uh, Rose is at six-under, I think. It's too late for me to go look it up, and, you know, it's day one. We'll figure it out. Uh, but, yeah, that was uh, obviously another big sports story going on right now. After day one of the U.S. Open, Justin Rose has you know overcame a couple of uh, bad starts, or I guess overcame some memories of some bad starts at the U.S. Open. He hasn't played well, I believe, in the last four of them. So he's off to a good start today. Um, I like Justin Rose. We'll see. I think I think you'll see people rooting for Tiger. And if not, I think you'll see a lot of people start rooting for Ricky to get his first major championship uh, on the diamond, a.k.a. the baseball field. That's what, that's what we in the biz call the baseball field, the diamond. Uh, Shohei Otani hits for the cycle against Tampa Bay. That's always like a statistical quirk. I think the cycle's overrated. I think the cycle is more of just a statistical anomaly. Obviously, you would rather have the guy who hits like two home runs in a game than hits for the cycle, at least in my opinion. But whatever. Um, like I said, always kind of a statistical quirk. I believe he's the second guy this season so far to hit for the cycle. Uh, if you're a Braves fan, Braves beat the Pirates again. Brooms out, bitch. Um, Texas A&M in the SEC becomes the first school in the SEC to say that they will serve alcohol at games. How the hell did LSU let them come in and take their corner? I don't get it. How did you do it, LSU? You were supposed to be the chosen one. How do you let Texas A&M announce that they are the first school to sell alcohol? So far, we'd had a couple of no's, right? Like Alabama said no, Georgia said no. We were waiting on the first. To, who was going to be the first to say yes? The odds-on favorite was LSU. Maybe they just didn't want to live up to that stereotype. Maybe we'll see them announce it tomorrow, and you'll see this ball rolling. But somebody had to be the first. Someone had to be willing to do it. Turns out it is Texas A&M. Cause that's what those weirdos need is alcohol. I could say they're weirdos, man. I was there. Those Texas A&M people are kooky. Kooky. A little bit of NFL news. Um, I don't know if we talked about this on the morning quickie. I know I talked about it on my radio show. Shout out to Talk Sports. It goes live at noon on Fox Sports Knoxville. But Baker Mayfield had called out Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson is a well-respected Cleveland Brown. He's been there for a while. He might even be their most long, you know, their longest tenured Brown. 
He's in kind of a contract situation where he's kind of the odd man out after they signed Kareem Hunt, Hunt after Nick Chubb kind of exploded at the end of last year. Duke Johnson kind of felt like, hey, uh, my days here are n- numbered once, you know, Kareem gets unsuspended. Let's just go ahead and trade me. To which Baker Mayfield, big loudmouth Baker, loudmouth Baker uh, said, you know, basically came out and took the side of management and told Duke Johnson to either get in or get out. Like either get in where you fit in, you're with us or you're against us. And my snap reaction was, man, Baker Mayfield, you ain't good enough to be doing that, buddy. I'm like, you're in your second year. You haven't really proven anything. Like, you had a nice little end of the year, but you obviously didn't get the Browns in the playoffs. You still, you know, went to Oakland and lost that game, even though it was horribly officiated. But either way, Baker, like, you you ain't got that, you ain't got that type of cred yet. Well, it turns out um, the locker room agreed. The locker room agreed, like, you shouldn't talk about someone else's money, especially if you're the quarterback who's going to get taken care of. Like, you don't want to start judging other people, especially somebody like a running back who is, you know, we all know the most expendable position in the NFL. Uh, Mike Silver went on NFL Network and said, according to multiple sources, several veteran Brown players approached Baker Mayfield in the locker room after the young QB's critical comments about Duke Johnson to register their displeasure, and they hashed out their differences a.k.a. Baker Mayfield, was put in his place. We'll see if Baker Mayfield continues to be as brash. Um, the whole us-against-the-world mentality works when it's us against the world, not not me against us type of thing, or y'all versus me in the locker room, or uh, you know, the whole us thing is the idea of a team. And Duke Johnson is obviously a Cleveland Brown for now, and Baker Mayfield uh, should not have spoke out a line about a well-respected veteran. We love the troops. We love the veterans. A little bit of White House news. As Sarah Huckabee Sanders says, I'm out. I'm leaving the White House. She was one of the, uh, I guess, one of the last longstanding members of this cabinet. But she's she's dipping. She says, I'm blessed and forever grateful to Donald Trump for the opportunity to serve. And I'm proud of everything he's accomplished. I love the president and my job. The most important job I'll ever have is being a mom to my kids, and it's time for us to go home. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, she apparently did not rule out a run for governor of Arkansas. So we'll see if she does that. Donald Trump uh, tweeted out after three and a half years, our wonderful Sarah Huckabee Sanders will be leaving the White House at the end of the month and going home to the great state of Arkansas. She is a very special person with extraordinary talents who has done an incredible job. I hope she decides to run for governor of Arkansas. She would be fantastic. Thank you, Sarah, for a job well done. So we'll see if this is the last we see of Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Like, we'll we'll see if she gets kind of the, was it the, the Mike Spicer, was that his name? Mike Spicer treatment where he got to make the rounds and become likable for the people who didn't like him. Got to kind of show, yeah, I'm, I got a sense of humor. I'm in on the joke. Uh, you know, a lot of people didn't really like Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Obviously, it's a bipartisan, or it's a, you know, it's a, it's a partisan issue. If you agree with what she's doing, you like her. If you don't, you don't like her. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see if she gets to win uh, governor of Arkansas. But Sarah Huckabee Sanders is out of the White House. All right, I'm going to bed. It's a good place to end. Peace.